Hey there, and welcome to the Punched and Played podcast. We're the sometimes funny, sometimes analytical podcast all about board games and the unique experiences they create. I'm one of your hosts, Sean Rose. I'm joined by Jonathan Baker. Hey, everybody. And, um, uh, what, I, I forgot your name. What, what, who are you? It's good to be back. <laughs> Clint Broadbent is joining us again for the podcast. Woohoo! So how was your vacation? It was long, but it was uh, really fun. I am so glad to be back home. Great to have you back as well. So you did you get to play any games while you were on vacation? Oh, I got to catch up on all my game playing. I got a lot to talk about. So And uh, you kind of went a little crazy. Uh, are you sure you're not in bankruptcy at this moment? I am. I am not, but uh, I have a... a I usually order my games back from a, a store that I, I've bought from for a long time. I almost buy all my games from there. So um, when I got home, I made contacts with the wrong people and caught up on all the game buying that I hadn't been doing in the last, you know, six months. So, so you met your dealer. <laughs> yes, I did meet my dealer. <laughs> I just found out I got flick 'em up came in. So, I, oh, we were just talking about that before this. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, we're like, oh, I bet Clint's gonna have that. Yep, got that one. I got another list of about five other games. <laughs> help, call for help. <laughs> and uh, Jonathan, last week you uh, did this podcast all by yourself, editing and all. How was that experience for you? Scary. <laughs> Scary for me too. <laughs> I apologize, listeners. No, you did a great job for uh, doing that for your first time. That was fantastic. But we are back in full action. We are coming off of Gen Con. What we didn't go to Gen Con, we did Gen Cant. Yeah, woohoo! And so we actually got the group together. We actually, Jonathan, you put together all the badges for us. It really kind of made it this special event, and you, we had a decent turnout for that. We did. It was a fun. It was a fun event, and. I felt like the badges drew some people in, specifically my sister and her boyfriend came just because I'd already made them badges, so it was kind of fun. But I have to, have to note, they, they, um, the print job could have been a little better. Uh. <laughs> it was fine. So there's a, there's a nice story behind this. Whenever we were playtesting Dead of Winter, uh, Jonathan did his masterful print job in stellar black and white. Uh-huh. As his toner was running out or something like that. <laughs> it so. did start to look bad. I, I'll admit. <laughs> Francisco gave him a pretty hard time about that, so we don't let him live it down. That's good. But yeah. no, the badges were fantastic. So you got to try out one of your new acquisitions, Arcadia Quest? Yes. So um, one of the big games that I got, I don't know why. It was like I woke up one day and... And Arcadia Quest was just sitting there on the shelf, and I was just like, I don't know how it got here. I don't know what happened, but uh, I have the tech stream showing exactly what happened. I here. know it was me. <laughs> Do I need this game? Come on, guys! I was trying to get somebody to push me over the edge. I, I, I really needed somebody, but I got Arcadia Quest. I had a friend that I had from back home, and uh, I hope he, he's like, Hey, Clint, you got to look at this game. And I've heard of the game. I heard of Arcadia Quest, and. I know Tom loves it, and you know a couple of the reviewers. Pretty much everybody that talks about it just raves about it. And he was talking about it, and he showed me the miniatures, and the miniatures were just—they were gorgeous. And then all of a sudden, there's that one thing in my brain, and it's the most dangerous thing I tell myself: is I don't have anything like this in my collection. 
and by then I the the wheels had already started turning. The money just jumped out yeah. of my pocket. I don't know how it happened. Take my money. So, but it was it was I, I I bought it and I did some. Of course, I did my research and just convinced myself that I needed it, and I bought that and a couple of the promotional characters and and went off on it and just got to play it at Gen Cant with a couple of Jonathan's kids. Both of them watched the watch it played. And so teaching the rules was actually a breeze. And we got right into it. And the game is is quite simple so that it doesn't quite get in the way of just having fun. Sean caught us like standing up and cheering, you know, when somebody rolled an amazing roll. That we did we had a really good time. It was really a blast. Yeah. And what really makes that game stand out, I mean, obviously the miniatures are fantastic. I was really kind of admiring them whenever you were playing. They're they're really stellar. The one thing about that game that kind of pushes me away from it, which is unfortunately the thing that makes it unique, is that you're working together to fight the monsters, but then you're turning on each other to be the best of the best. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. that aspect is the one thing that's like, I don't think I want to turn on my fellow gamers. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was really weird because I'm the same way. I'm a Euro gamer at heart. And so for me, it was it was hard. And that was the one reason when I first saw it, I said, I don't want to do this. I don't like player elimination. But um, after doing some research on the game, I found out that really the player elimination is is very minimal. Like you have someone that gets knocked out and they can pretty much come back next turn when sure. you reset your characters. And so for me, it, it was just like almost any other type of game where – you know, you know. Hey, this is this is like taking a spot. Like I know you need that spot. It was almost like a, hey, your guy is kind of wounded, and part of my condition is is you know knocking out one of your guys, just one, and so you know taking advantage of that. And it happened. And I think that when I I told everybody that at the start, and for the most part, it was really it actually went really well. One of Jonathan's sons got it got a little bit out of shape. His brother turned on him, of course, and there's like a lot of teleporting things. So right. no one's too far. You can't really turtle. Mm-hmm. And he just, his brother just turned on him and went to attack him and just rolled like the roll of the century. Okay. And it was just, it really caught him off guard and he was upset. But the funny thing was, is so the penalty for getting knocked out, there's a chance of getting a negative consequence at the end of the round. And he drew the cards, and he didn't get anything bad happen to him. So mm-hmm. he actually, in the end, both of them looked at me and said, so when are we going to play this again? Because right. there's a campaign mode. And so I was really encouraged. I'm really bullish about that. I think that the three of us need to play. I would give it a go. I would definitely try it. The presentation is really nice. Mm-hmm. I'm usually very biased against minis because I think I'm kind of like, I look at some of the games on Kickstarter, and I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of minis here, but are is it a good game? Mm-hmm. And I think Cool Mini are not with a lot of their games they're coming out with. They had those beautiful minis, but that it, it's not just a pretty face. Like there's a really good game under it. Yeah, it just seemed to me that every time I came by, and it could have just been complete coincidence that it was always you guys attacking each other. I never really actually saw you guys working together as a team fighting monsters. I know it happened because mm-hmm. you kind of have to find that balance between working as a team and stabbing each other in the back. Yeah, it's. I would say it's a. It's not a cooperative game. It really isn't. Like, you're you're fighting a boss. Like, you're trying to get different objectives. 
and you are trying to kill, like if you're trying to kill the big monster, you get a benefit for working together a little bit, but you want to land the killing blow. Right. So you're always, so it's almost kind of like a looking out of the side of your eye, like, ooh, you, you did a lot of damage to that one guy. I want to see if I can find some way of swooping in and getting the kill, you know? Okay. And so I could totally see if you were not prepared for this, this would fall flat on its face. But again, I set the, we set the expectation to start out with, and it went over really well. It's almost like eBay, the board game, sniping at the last minute. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. And I typically don't like that. But again, it was light enough. The scenarios are like an hour or less. It was really fun. It looks like you guys had a blast. Again, I'd be totally up for it. So, Jonathan, what was the highlight of Gin Cant for you? I actually really enjoyed playing Istanbul. I played it with my wife. She's not a huge gamer, but she does like games like Lords of Waterdeep is her favorite, and Istanbul's probably her second favorite game. Splendor's up there, too. We played it, my sister and her boyfriend came up, and they played with us, and he had never really played anything beyond like Monopoly and cards and things like that. So it was a new experience for him as far as moving all the the people around. And he got, as soon as I got through explaining the rules, he looked at the dice for the tea house and he was like, so do I roll these to move? I mean, I think he was, he totally missed the whole movement idea. And it was a little bit overwhelming at first, I think for him, but he, he figured it out pretty quickly. He got into it. I think he really liked it. And I think they had a good time playing some of the other games later on, like Spyfall that we played. I would like to, you know, just throw out a shout out for Gen Cant. Uh, thanks to Suzanne, who organizes that whole thing and runs that website. Check her out on Gen Cant's website. Also, she does app reviews on uh, Board Game Breakfast, too. Oh, yeah, she does a fantastic job. This started last year, and we were more than happy to get involved in this. I think we'll try to get more involved definitely next year because... I don't, I don't, as much as Clint wants to go to Gen Con, I'm watching the sea of people flood the doors. That just has me a little, uh, little leery of going to Gen Con. It's pretty, it is, it is hysteria. It is absolutely, it's mayhem. Well, I might, I may still have to build up to that. I'll still just stick with a BGG Con for now. We, we, it could be a, we'll go with a buddy system. Okay. <laughs> Hold hands, everyone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah, oddly enough, I didn't actually play a lot of games at Gen Cant, unfortunately. Um, but I, I like teaching games, and I got to play Spyfall, and that's always been... I, I'm so fortunate I was able to find a copy of that in my local game store. Absolutely. That game has gotten a lot of good mileage out of it. I think Jonathan's kids are definitely <laughs> always wanting they to play it. that one. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic... It's a little tough initially to try to teach people how to ask good questions and try to give responses that don't give away exactly where you're at, but people who do know will be able to put two and two together and figure out, okay. If you're going to play Spyfall, I really feel like you need to play with those the roles that they give you, because everyone has the same location, except for that one spy. But on everyone who has a location card, there's that little role at the bottom tells you who you are in that location. Mm-hmm. That makes it, that takes it to a new level. I really feel like if you don't play with that, you're missing out on something. But Spyfall is a fantastic game. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, uh, I borrowed a copy from my friend because, uh, again, it is so darn hard to find. I probably played it probably 30 times with my family. Wow. Just, yeah. It was everywhere we went, we took that game and with different groups of friends it was unanimous. Everybody just just loved having it around. So it, it's a must-buy for me. It's a fantastic party game. 
The one thing is I feel like I'm going to need to definitely print out some additional copies of the book with the cards you have illustrated. Yep. Yeah. So the rule that we are doing essentially is that whenever you're asking a question, we give you the book. And it's whoever you ask the question to, you give them the book. So, Because, again, you even if you're not the spy, you need to reference that book to really make sure you're not giving away too many specific things. You can try to look at other locations and give something that kind of ride the line between two different locations. So mm-hmm. I think it is important to use that that guide fairly effectively. I agree. Now, one of the other games that I got to try out for the first time in published form was Two Rooms and a Boom. I know you guys didn't get to try this out. We didn't get to try it with the with a high enough of a player count. This game goes essentially it goes all the way up to thirty. 30 plus players. Wow. So it's kind of like the ultimate werewolf, things like that. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that you you are in, in two rooms. You're actually in physically in two different rooms. And each person's either going to be on the blue team or the red team. And one person on the blue team is the president. One person on the red team is the bomber. But no one knows who is who. We have a card. We keep the card secret. The blue team wins if at the, at the end of a certain number of rounds, it could be anywhere from five to three rounds, if the president is not in the same room as the bomber, then the blue team wins. If the bomber is inside the same room at the end of the game with the president, then the red team wins. So it's a process trying to figure out who's on your team, who can you trust, trying to figure out who the president or who the bomber is. And at the end of the timed phase, you'll elect a leader, and the leader will choose one person that they're going to do a hostage exchange. So you actually choose who you want to swap rooms, and then you'll get someone from the other room, and you'll send someone else to their room. Mm-hmm. So it's a process of trying to figure out, why do they keep sending me this person? Is this person the bomber, or are they trying to trick me? So it came down to the very end. I thought I had it figured out. I thought, okay, they're going to send their bomber in here. I think they're going to... I Noah and I were on the blue team, we actually showed each other our full card. Complete gamble. It paid off. He was the president. I was on his team. Mm-hmm. So by that, I was like, okay, they're going to send their bomber over here. I'm going to send you to their room. Mm-hmm. What happens with that game, they really want to make sure that the other team can't see who you've selected until the right moment because the leader in that room caught a glance at who we were sending I think they had figured out he was the president and changed his mind at the last second. So the rules do explicitly say you have to do some things to kind of circumvent that to make sure the other team doesn't see who you're going to be exchanging Mm -hmm. to avoid that little uh, unsavory behavior. Uh So we we, we would have had it, except they made that last second change because they caught a glimpse of who we were planning to exchange. But it looks like a lot of fun. We play with the base roles, which I think the game is going to shine a whole lot more once we can really uh, get more of those specialized roles. There's so many cards. It reminds reminds me a lot of the Ultimate Werewolf, how there's so many different roles out there. Wow. So I really look forward to trying it with more than 10 players because I think that's really when the game's going to start to get good. Good. But I look forward to trying that one out. So have there been any other games that you've played outside of Gen Cant? Yeah, I got to play one that uh, just got in. I'm, I kickstarted Viceroy from Mayday Games. and my, Jonathan's uh, crying a little tear over here. My coffee came in, and oh my goodness, I, it looks amazing. Some of the most gorgeous artwork I've ever seen in a game. You know, they have like 70 cards, and each card has like a different, just be- frame it on your wall, beautiful artwork. But Viceroy is literally like, it's it's abstract and like you're supposed to quote unquote build your pyramid of power 
and don't let that shy you away. But the idea is that you're bidding on these cards and each of these cards have like a little gem in like the corner of the thing and you're trying to make these gems you don't have to be perfect about it but you get rewarded if you make the gems and when you put a card in your pyramid depending on the level it gives you a special ability and i am telling you this is the real deal i am calling you right now if you love splendor and you've played splendor so many times and you're thinking to yourself okay i think i've explored everything i could do with splendor go out right now and buy you got to buy viceroy it it scratches that itch i just think it's just a little bit the next step up and it just it shines it was really good my family loved it it plays in like less than an hour and i just i loved it because there were like we i tried five or six different ways to like score victory points and each way was valid it gets tense at the end you feel like you're building something it really does hit on all cylinders and it is a two thumbs way up for me i i really recommend it i think everybody needs to have it in their collection it was very good i can't wait to play with it with you guys yeah i look forward to trying it that was one of the games that would have could have should have got jonathan to back his first kickstarter i think that was the first one that i was even slightly seriously interested in um, above and below, knocked it away. But and even then, and even then, <laughs> well, I look forward to trying it. Absolutely, that won't lift me on one of our game nights. So our central topic for the night is talking all about expansions for board games. When I first got into the hobby of board gaming, and I realized that there were such things as expansions, my non-gaming friends just think this is the most ridiculous thing. So this whole idea of expansions that are supposed to make the game better than it was without it. So we're really going to be looking at what expansions we think are necessary, which ones take the game to a new level, but also talking about maybe expansions that really aren't necessary. Maybe they add something neat, but we really don't feel like they're essential to really getting the most out of the game. So we have some different questions that we've kind of been brewing in our minds over time about expansions. So what I thought we'd do is just kind of just jump into this and kind of see where it takes us. The first three things I thought about when I was thinking about expansions was just the question of, you know, what does the expansion bring to the game? Is it adding more complexity to a game? Is it bringing you new things, uh, new mechanics added into it? Or is it just a, the idea of where you're adding more cards, more variety, is that what the expansion's doing for you? Or is it uh, the case, and this may, may or may not be a mythical case, but the case where the expansion is fixing the game? Yeah, I was kind of doing the same thing. Those I was thinking of different categories of of expansions, and I, I kind of echo what, what you said is, what do, I, what do I look for in an expansion? And I really kind of felt like that, is that there are the expansions that add variety, there are the expansions that add complexity, and then there are there are the expansions that add an actual working set of rules that make the game playable. And those kind of are the ones that that kind of I kind of broke down and saw, and I kind of like balance what what do I like of those? So I mean, of those, Sean, like, what do you like in expansions, or what do you look for? Well, looking over the expansions that I've purchased i was going through the list even before this kind of looking through here saying well that one's really not do i really need to have this one 
does this one do what I'm looking for? For me, I think the thing that when I look through my list and I find like, yeah, that's an essential expansion, I feel like it takes the game in a new direction. Maybe it doesn't add just more of the same. It's still the same game, but maybe it does something new, unique, that makes it a newer experience. I guess the one that comes to my mind would be like with the Mice and Mystics expansions, for example, with uh, Heart of Glorm and Downwood Tales. Those add variety. They do. Yes. But I think also it continues the story, that campaign that you're going through. So I feel like that's kind of what I'm looking for in expansion in some games, but not all. I think in that one, it's a little bit of a different case. I I think so, because I I agree with you there. But what you just explained to me, in my mind, are the things that I typically don't like in in, uh, expansions. Right. And those are the things that add... I typically shy away from the ones that add extra, like, complexity. A whole new aspect that's just going to blow your mind. You know, there's another bidding track. Right. And for me... If it's a good game, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm trying to think of one. I think in my in my mind is Carcassonne. Carcassonne is a great game. I think I love it. I think mm-hmm. it's a great game. But after you play Carcassonne once or twice, you're just like, okay, it's getting getting stale. I understand what I think. But you add a couple like the, some of the starting expansions, like uh, is it Traders and Builders, yes, in the Cathedrals. Those add. Those are the two. Yep, those are the two. And you just, like, they make it, like, a real good game. Get out of my head. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) We're like brothers, but closer. (laughs) I'm serious, though. Like, those are, like, the real, like, that, like, those make the game shine. Absolutely. I think my example of Mice and Mystics, I think that's a maybe a fourth category. Because, again, I don't like a lot of expansions that add complexity for complexity's sake. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. And I don't feel like maybe in that situation, I think where maybe there is a, a campaign where it's take, you're able to keep it going or it takes it in new directions. I think maybe for campaign expansions, maybe that's something else mm-hmm. entirely. Yeah. But, again, I do think that with Carcassonne, the... Ends and Cathedrals and the Traders and Builders, that, I mean, again, I r- really feel like that takes, that makes the game where it needs to be. Now, I would say my, the, the close third would, that would really take your Carcassonne game to the new level would be the Catapult. I real no? No, I, I, <laughs> I just don't like to fling my meatballs everywhere. No, we don't, we don't own the, the uh, Catapult one. Uh, we really try to stay away from, for us, we stayed away from the ones that were a little bit more cutthroat, like the Tower and the Princess and Dragon one and stuff like that. And to me, like, that's like when all of a sudden, like, you just think of it like a snowball and it's just like getting out of control. And they're making them because people are buying them. Absolutely. But I have a friend that's just that there and they, we were talking about this. I'm like, I'm not buying anymore expansions for this it's good how it is but he's like oh but you can get the catapult and you can thing or you can Mm -hmm. like fling the princess off the tower and and i'm looking at him and all of a sudden like he's like trailing off and he's like yeah i'm probably never going to play those and he's just like i just i have them but i'm never going to play them and i think that you know sometimes when it's a game like you got to say okay this is good how it is it doesn't need anything else. Like this is a good, this is a good game, and I think that in all, in all honesty, like we dream and we fantasize of some games, like being, I'm going to play this game once a week for ten years. 
I don't think all board games are meant that way. I don't think that I think sometimes you look at a board game and you can play a board game to death. It's not that it's not a good game. It's just you've explored it as much as you possibly can. And sometimes I smile at those games that I have on my shelf thinking, I've played the heck out of that game. And I really, I like it. I don't really want to play it all that much because I feel like I got it. But mm-hmm. I, I love, those are the good, those are like the old pair of shoes that are just so comfortable. So for, for someone like me who's a little bit uninitiated in Carcassonne, do those two expansions come in the base game or are they? Well, there's there's a big box version. That will usually come with those. Okay. But yeah, they are separate. Would now, you would you consider them to be essential? I think that inns and cathedrals adds a little bit more because you've got the the inns that helps you to score more points from your roads, and you got the cathedrals that let you essentially uh, double the value of your city. Yeah, I think you play that with the ba- like my favorite expansions are the ones that you just put them in first time you're playing the game. I'm putting that in. Like, Inns and Cathedrals, it's, like, permanently in my game. If we play a lot of Carcassonne with somebody, I'm like, okay, I want a little bit more. You know, Traders and Builders is is a great way to go. It's a great way to add that little extra, extra little something to do that spices it up a little bit. But for me, I think Inns and Cathedrals is my favorite kind of expansion in that it just kind of goes seamlessly in with the base game. Like, I don't play, I, I don't play without it. Yeah. So... Uh, again, we really like the builder because essentially whenever you – if you put your builder down – because usually within Carcassonne, once you add on to an existing city, you can't put another meeple there. You have to find be a, have, find a clever way to get the, your two cities to connect or your two roads to connect so you can take superiority of, and control of that particular area so you're the one that scores the points. But with the builder, you can actually add that on to an extension of your road or your city. And then once you complete that, you get to essentially draw another tile and do more with it. So it allows you to be able to take more turns, essentially, by using that strategically. So I like that element. It also adds the little trade tiles. For me, honestly, I don't know. I don't really... Sometimes we don't even play with the trade tiles. Yeah. Um, I just like even. I really like the the extra tiles and I like the the builder, mm-hmm. which just kind of uh, this is kind of segues right back into what I think are the best type of expansions, and those are the the modular expansions. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones that say in this expansion we have four different things, and you can play with any four of those that you want. You can mix and match. You can add this. You can take that away, and it and it spices up the game. Mm-hmm. For me, the, the the first one that I ever bought that blew my mind was Kingsburg. I love Kingsburg. But Kingsburg, the base game of Kingsburg, about three or four plays, and I have done about everything that I want to do. Nailed it. Uh, you know, I've done about everything I wanted to do in Kingsburg. Yeah, we knew you we were going to talk about this. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and when I taught you guys how to play Kingsburg, correct? Yes. Yes. The interesting thing about that is, is that every sometimes someone says, you know, we had one of the guys that played with us said, oh, I love this. I'm going to buy this. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I told them was, you got to understand, this is not just a $50 game. This is not a 50 MSRP game. This is a 75 dollar game because you need to buy the expansion because little do you guys like you guys i think i mentioned it but mm-hmm. we use the expansion boards yes we did we use the expansion boards i do that every single time i play the game because it really does make the game it adds that little it has it makes you more unique you can go with things and we 
like I almost never play with like the individual like you can have your own special like line of buildings Mm -hmm. I usually get to that like my second or third playthrough but it is a great expansion because that is like something that goes in with the base game but if you play that two or three times and you're like okay well I've got this then you go okay here's another here's another layer let's just add another layer and that and it really stretches out the game and makes it accessible from from the get-go and I, I just love that and I really compliment those expansions that add things but you can take them or leave them as you like them because I don't like some of the parts of that like expansion like there are like some event cards that I can take or leave. It really is to me. I think that you can kind of build your own adventure with those expansions. And I, I really love that one that gives the power to the people. Yeah. And oddly, I'm kind of on the opposite side because sometimes I don't care for the modular pieces because there's certain ones you just won't play with necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For some reason, I like think of Fresco, for example. They have all these little modular expansions. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't appeal to me as much for some reason. I could I could see that actually no I could see that like and the, it's weird when some of them like I bought my copy of Fresco and it came with two expansions exactly but those two expansions are almost they're like the family game of Agricola mm-hmm. if you're playing with gamers you play with those expansions it's kind of a shallower game without them there, yeah. there's not enough meat there but I kind of agree like I hate the, also the feeling like when they're nickel and diamond you. So they have like, I think it's like expansion pack F and I'm just like, Oh gosh, I, I didn't know I need, I didn't need this. And I've I've never bought another one and I Mm -hmm. love fresco the way it is, you know? And so, but again, I think there is something appealing about being able to add the pieces that to make the game to a point where you're happiest with it. So I think that's one of the good selling points there. But I mean, so you mentioned the whole complexity aspect of, expansions are there any expansions that you feel like do it right they add complexity but they do it well i know one that i was thinking in my mind that didn't doesn't do it well and that is arkham arkham horror (laughs) arkham horror can you talk about like it's so funny it's it's great that it's a horror thing because i mean that thing looks like frankenstein like there are just tons of boards like stacking to the side and you have to like spin a spin a bottle flip a coin or whatever or you know there's something about a yellow king i don't know i play that game that game is plenty complex by itself like that thing is that thing is an evening commitment and i know that there's some people that just love that but like that thing is like carcassonne out of control mm-hmm. like on those expansions and that's what i don't like i'm just happy like i said i'd play arkham horror but if someone starts saying like, you know, oh, we we played Eldritch Horror mm-hmm. and you're like, we're going to play with the expansion. And I'm just like, you know, I'm like deer in the headlights. And it wasn't that bad. I mean, it added some complexity that I think it, it was it a little does. jarring. But I mean, I think that if you've played it four or five times, that would be a welcome addition. It was my first time. So I still really like it. Like I said, Eldritch Horror, I, I kind of want to play that one again. Yeah. It's a, It's got a good thing. But I don't like those ones that are the Frankenstein expansions of like, we're just going to keep milking this pot. They're going to milk this base until it is just the cow is dry. Yeah. You know. And speaking of Eldritch Horror, I feel like that first small expansion, that one I feel like is essential. But the only reason is it's essential is because the base game, I felt I didn't come with enough cards to provide enough variety. Mm. Perfect. So that's, that's why I feel like it's an essential. But I feel like, couldn't they? I mean, there's a lot in Eldritch. I'll 
I mean, there really is. There's a lot of stuff there. But part of me is like, uh, couldn't this have been in there? I don't know. And that starts getting into the video game realm where there are enough video game players that are just out with pitchforks that the feeling of, well, shouldn't have this been in the $60 game that I paid for? What do you mean the DLC is on the disc? Exactly. <laughs> the DLC is on the disc. You kind of look at that. And I am always very, very nervous about that. But I would agree. I You were telling me about the thing. And I'm like, if I buy this game, I'm buying that, that card expansion pack because I want the variety that that gives you, mm-hmm. but for me, like I could take or leave the ma- the mountains. Mountains menace. menace. I agree with you. I could take or leave. I could take or leave that. I, I mean, I think it's gonna. It's cool, but I could take or leave that. But the, you're right. The cards, I think, really add that variety, which is, I think, another really big thing for me. For me, I uh, don't have a ton of expansions. I noticed when I was going back through my collection. Um, obviously, there's the kind of expandable things like Summer Wars and the LCGs. One that I got recent, fairly recently was the Bruise expansion, which adds a fifth player. It also adds boats, which kind of incentivize you to pursue the canal option a little bit more. And then it also adds kind of a banking system with some kind of rewards. I really felt like, you know, the fifth player was fine. But once again, that could have been in the base game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boats, I think, adds a little bit of, of a nifty thing, another thing to consider. And it really does kind of push you towards the canals and maybe pursuing another opportunity, another path for victory that you might you might not consider. But I really felt like the banking system could have just been left out of there, and it wasn't very uh, wasn't very helpful. I didn't feel like it really added anything to the game. It was kind of random, and so uh, that's an experience that I just I didn't like that part about it at all. Just kind of tapping into that, one of the games that that to me. That I wouldn't say that that fits under the cons. The like I don't know what that fits under, but I think in some ways I've heard that expansion like fixes the canals, as in like it really makes the canals a more attractive destination. Yep. Because the canals were, I'm serious. Whenever I was playing, I love, I really quite, I really like Bruges. But you know, somebody that chooses, well, in this game, I'm building canals like nobody's business. It's kind of boring. Like, oh, well, look at this. I'm building this, this. I'm putting this white blue thing down. But for me, I feel like, you know, the expansion to, like, incentivize that. I w- Would you play a game of Bruges without that? That's a good question. And I, I don't know. It, because he doesn't get to play it. I, I rarely <laughs> get to play it. Uh-huh. I think it would depend. Um, this is one of those ones where I don't know if I was teaching it to someone, if I would throw that in there. It's kind of bo- it's borderline for it's borderline. me. borderline. Yep. Yeah, for me, the one that one of the ones that came to mind was Dice Town. Have you guys ever played Dice Town? Yes, yes. I love Dice Town. That is another one where I think the expansion is essential, and I think I, and I play it like with newbies, like with when I teach it for the first time. I I play with the expansion because it fixes. There's like it's called his name's Doc Badluck, mm-hmm. and it, it literally cushions the blow. Of not winning anything. Of not yeah, winning right. anything. And that's the number one thing that kills that game is the person that's sitting there with his arms folded. You know, I didn't win anything. I don't get to do anything. Doc Bad Luck, in some points, like, I've had people, like, try not to win anything so they can go to Doc Bad Luck. Mm-hmm. And so that one is for me that I think in some ways the base game's a good game. But the expansion makes it great because they saw that. They saw the feedback of like people that were playing that game thinking, yeah, it was fun, but there's this one guy that didn't, that didn't 
it kind of fell flat for him. I think that that really rounds it out and takes a little of that sting away. So that's one of the reasons. I think that's a good example of a thing that kind of fixes something. And that's interesting because that's been on my want list for a while. But it wasn't the extra pieces. It was because it added an extra player. Uh And we use the extra player a lot too. And so I think maybe that's another category of expansions that just expand the number of players so you can play with more people. So just, again, just for my benefit, what were the three categories of expansions you talked about a few minutes ago? In my mind, the ones that add add diversity, add complexity, and then the ones that fix or amend a previous problem with the base game. Okay, so we've got variety, complexity, complexity. and fix the game. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned that it extends the campaign. That kind of falls into the variety aspect to a certain extent. I think so, in my mind. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. But I, th- I think in some situations, I think it could add something more than just, I don't know. I guess I agree with you. It's kind of a mix. I mean, a lot of those campaign things, like, it seems like they're going to add variety, but they're also going to add some new twists and a little bit of complexity, mm-hmm. probably. I think that also one thing that they've done really well with expansions, they're just getting so smart. I love, there's, it's no mistake that the board game hobby is booming because there are smart people out there like Plaid Hat Games that get it. And that is, is that there is a little extra complexity that's coming in at this later stuff, but it's like, it's being layered in, you know, it's not like, you know, you're not adding some astronomical new thing, but it, the story develops, and I kind of agree with that. It, it, I'm excited about playing those those things as they add like future right. stories. And I feel like that maybe just that is something that's unique to those type of games. But I think that is probably for in my mind, I feel like that is something more than just the variety, because it is taking it in new directions you're not in the same place you're doing something else but it still continues the story so maybe that ties more into story expansions i don't know but then we but i guess we gotta have to at least consider expansions that add on the extra player how would that would fit into that your three-tier scheme here i think for me i i i don't know i i would not buy there's there's only one game Catan is the only game that i bought an expansion that was the five six player expansion that was the only time i've ever bought an expansion that said we're doing this because we're giving you an extra player right most of the time when people add players i get a little thing because i'm just like well why didn't we start out with this mm-hmm. then i've played games where they added extra players just like it goes two to six and you play a six player game and it is terrible it is like <laughs> it is horrible and then i'm just like okay you do what you need to do, and if you can play test the heck out of something and squeeze out another player and you want to slide that in, great. One of the big ones for me is Blood Rage is the new game that's coming out, and it's super hot. And it is, it's a four-player game, but you can buy a fifth-player expansion. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I'm sorry, I'm not going to buy a fifth-player expansion because I don't want to add, if it's tacked on, I don't want to. Me- if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sure. So yeah. we're so we're not getting the fifth player expansion. <laughs> <laughs> don't you no. like how he says "we" when you're the one buying hey, it? Hey, there's the royal "we" here. I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I look at those sometimes, and I'm if you, if you got to put it back in the thing and play test it longer, 
to make sure the fifth player like fits great but like it they were offering that with like the original release of the game and to me that's like a red that's like a warning thing for me you know but I, I can think that there are some expansions that I've bought, like the a la carte expansion, a la carte desserts, which is a la carte. Is a, it's, um, I refer to it as Swedish chef the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. it's a little dexterity. You have a little frying pan and a stove. And I wanted a fifth player because I just it, – it's that one doesn't add a lot of extra time. I feel like that fifth player doesn't make it drag that much longer. Mm-hmm. I could take or leave the salt dishes where you have containers – an extra container, and you try to purposely get salt, which is usually a bad thing, but you need salt to complete these salt dishes. I mean, it adds some variety, but again, I think what drew me to that the most was that fifth player. So I think that could be, maybe not the fifth player by itself would be enough. Mm-hmm. But again, I think about Coconuts. They had the Coconuts duo, which added on two new. I mean, you could play it two-player, but really, really? It's, it's, it's an expansion <laughs> yeah. for two more players to take it up to six. Yeah, I, I just bought two base games, and I play with eight all the time, and it doesn't slow it down that much because everybody's just whoosh, whoosh, flying it around. So, But we can't talk about the Swedish chef without doing that. You're into bird Okay, good. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Sorry. Karma has been restored. Grace. Good. Okay. We're good. So, gentlemen. Yes, convince- sir. Convince... Someone like myself. Who doesn't like games, yes. Who is on a very limited game budget. You know, why should I go out and buy an expansion when I can go out and buy a new game? Good question. That is a great point. For me, I feel like it really comes into play when it's a game that you just love. That you're looking to take it somewhere new. Like, maybe you've played it out. Maybe you're getting a little tired of it. You still love it, but maybe you want something that freshens it up. So again, I'm probably the person that would go for more of the variety mm-hmm. aspects. I'm, I'm shying more away from the complexity. So again, I think that if you're wanting some more variety to freshen up your game, that would be the biggest draw for me and try to sell you to get one. But again, for most of them, unless it fixes the game, you probably don't need it. Yeah. I, so the big thing I would say for almost any new game player is unless this is a game... That you are like, this is like, unless it's like in your top 20 games, maybe top 10 games, I tend to think to myself, I don't really want to get the expansion because I probably don't play this game enough. Uh, Some of the games like Ticket to Ride is one where they have a couple of those little mini expansions for Ticket to Ride. I think those are great because they add new routes. Because after you play enough of Ticket to Ride, you know the routes. You know, Mm -hmm. someone starts building up north and you're like, okay, well, we know where he's going. But once you start getting those extra carts, it really adds something there. So, I mean, my thing is, like, there are a few games that we just play. I've played 10, over 10 times. If you haven't played a game, a base game, and think to yourself, I've really got it. And I really am kind of sad about that. Expansion comes out, get that. But if there, if it's if it's a game that you've played once or twice, and you're like, oh, that was a really that was a good game, you know, an expansion comes out, don't feel obligated to get it. Play it, you know. If someone else has it, try it out. But don't just rush out and say, well, I like this game, so I gotta get the expansion. But for me, I kind of fall into the completionist phase of some mm-hmm. of them. I think that's half the thing for people is not that they really want more to the game. They're afraid they just like I was I want everything for this game. And I'm probably guilty of this with Power Grid because I love Power Grid and I own every officially released expansion promo for Power Grid. 
And there are, there are, I've gotten to a point where there are boards. And again, the boards aren't just the boards themselves with different geography, which is great, but they also change the rules. That's what I love about Power Grid is that Friedman Fries actually thinks about the geography and the, you know, do they use nuclear in this country? Is it banned? And the rules change based upon what country you're playing in. So it kind of keeps the game fresh in that regard. Mm-hmm. But really, I mean, the base game comes with two maps. Yeah. Unless you just really played it out, there is absolutely no reason for me to own as many boards to Power Grid yeah. as I do. Sean, I'm really proud of you that you can admit you have that problem. But I think it's a completionist. It's like I, uh, Power Grid is one of my top games. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I owe it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm compelled? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I think I, I, don't, I do not, I take that back. I do not own Power Grid Deluxe. Ugh, do I really need this? Yeah. So I might be at the saturation point of not needing any more power grid stuff. I like your power grid thing, though, because I think that those those add something, and I think that that's kind of a legacy game. Like, that's stood the test of time. That's top 100 greatest games of all time kind of good. For me, I also look, and I, f- I looked at all my things, and I typically buy games, expansions for games, that are usually between 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes mm-hmm. where I want a little more or the, the games that I get to play a lot. Like if, if Splendor came out with an expansion, I would buy that because I love, I love Splendor. I've played it probably 20 times. I played it a lot. And I mean, there are some great games like Eclipse that I just love, but I never get to play because it's so darn long. So, I mean, it's the shorter games that I tend to, to play. I shy away from buying expansions for bigger games that add a lot of complex, that even add a little bit more. So my next question for you is my wife loves Lords of Waterdeep. That's her number one game. Should I get the expansion for that? How many times have you played it? Probably 20-ish times. You buy it. I say 100% slam down, you buy it. But it does it does add some new things that may change how she feels about it though. The corruption tokens. I don't know how she'd feel about that. I think it's I that's a, it's a very valid thing, but my question is is when your wife says, "Hey Jonathan, our let's let's play a game. Let's play Lords wait, of Waterdeep." Wait, wait, wait. wait. She says, "Let's play a game." Wait. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's a shocker. But like when you want to, like say you recommend the game, do you think to yourself, oh, you know, I've already explored this, you know? Uh, Yes and no. And the yes part is with that game in particular, I mean, I feel like I pretty much mapped it out. It's it's relatively Mm -hmm. simplistic for for a worker placement game. But I also feel like, especially when we play it just two player, that we just sit and we just play it. And we enjoy it, and we 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 talk a little, and it moves quickly. We 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 can hammer out that that game two player pretty quickly, and it's an enjoyable experience without too much. Yeah. See, that's what. Well, here's the thing. Catches me. The thing with Skullport is that you really have two expansions in one box here. The module modular thing we yeah. talked about. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, if you, if you don't want to play with the corruption tokens, then you just play with the Undermountain module, and that adds just you know it's. A little bit tougher to complete some of those. Cost more adventurers, more more gold to be able to to complete those quests. It adds some new spaces, so it kind of freshens it up a little bit. But I do like the Skullport module as well because those those corruption tokens really, it's the the what you get for going there. It's so good, but 
you're taking corruption and it piles up and it's, it's just the, yeah the cost uh, you know cost benefit analysis almost you know yeah i i say a hundred percent for me the lords of Waterdeep for me is like my wife will ask to play stone age when that expansion came out the you know the expansion for stone age it was like a day one buy because we've played that game we know how that game, you know, we, we know where the cards are going to come out. Like, we knew how to play that game, and we've explored it. Mm-hmm. And we at, we just barely played it with the expansion a little while ago. And it added something to it. I don't think it's like a must-have, like, for thing, but we played it so much. The expansion was a, a nice little breath of fresh air. I mean, you're making jewelry in it. That's the whole point, right? Yeah, like, jewelry is another, is another coin. It's another resource it just, it just for me it just felt like a weird expansion it really is like in a lot of ways it is <laughs> um but i think that also though that it, it kind of became a wild card and i think it kind of did to stone age what i think caverna like put over the top for me like when it comes to agricola is the rubies i love the rubies because it you don't feel so claustrophobic. You yeah, know? using them as wilds is pretty pretty great. It really does. And it, I think it kind of opens you up to to doing some... It, it makes it less claustrophobic. But again, they're wild, but at the end of the game, they're worth points. And if you want to go for the ruby collecting strategy and you get the building that gets you more points for rubies, it's like, oh, I need to use this ruby, mm-hmm. but it's going to cost me two points. And yeah. yeah. And see, if my wife just wants to build animals like she just wants animals like we're talking like trojan horse robotic, like, robotic animals? <laughs> no, yeah exactly so breeding animals. the, the robotic right, okay. donkey right. yeah she wants to breed animals if she just wants to have a big if she just wants to focus on the farm she can use those rubies to make the most awesome farm she doesn't need to win the game she doesn't really care about winning the game but that helps her do what she wants to do in the game you know, and I that's what I love about it. And so I think that you can just you can ignore it. You could play without the jewelry. Like the jewelry doesn't do any like you can ignore that. But like they have new buildings, different cards. It adds a little bit of it adds just enough spice to, to make the game like you excited to go back to that game. And when you have a a game that's as great that you've played it twenty times Man, I think you want to try to do whatever you can to to continue to get that game to the table. So again, you're coming back to the variety over complexity. Ab- absolutely. So for me, yeah, it's it's variety over complexity. You've almost got me convinced. <laughs> I really, I mean, if you, I think if you want to try it, you can try mine. I I think it's one of those you want to probably try it first. I'll play with you because I really want to try it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just one thing that popped in my mind here, and I don't want to forget it. Variety is great. But then you, again, going back to Carcassonne where they have so many, lots of variety, when do you hit that point when you don't need any more? Where it's just like, okay, it's adding some variety, but is this good variety? This is a good question because I don't, I, my, big, my big argument is, is are those expansions for Carcassonne adding variety or are they adding complexity? Because there's, yeah. there, there's a whole new set of rules that thing for me things that add extra tiles like extra tiles or whatever i'm okay with that but like if if you're adding like a tower and i'm like flicking things off the tower like i'm making it rain tiles i'm almost losing the the flavor of the original game right but i mean like for me if they did like an expansion they're going to do an expansion for dead of winter i'd be like raising an eyebrow if they wanted to add more to that game 
if they added like some more trade like more agenda cards and crossroads cards i'm i'm all in i'm all in on that i'm buying that and john gilmore when he was on our podcast he actually said that it's going to be more of a, a modular expansion yeah, that's what i yeah so that, that has me again usually i'm not again not the hugest fan of modular for expansions for some reason i don't know why maybe i just want i want to buy the expansion and do everything but maybe that is a smart move in this case because again the game is great as it is yeah so that's i guess that's my where i kind of fall on it my wife's second favorite game is istanbul and she saw that an expansion for istanbul is coming out and she said we're buying that and that was you know that's that was surprising right there so uh, we'll I'm, be we'll be getting uh, mocha and bakshish when that comes out. I'm sure. killing myself off the floor, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was, I was really surprised. She was very excited about it. Yeah, that's a must buy. Yeah, <laughs> I, that I, that's definitely going to be a must buy. I already, I already know that. Um, and again, even if it is an awful expansion, I mean, it won't be. As long as the players who are buying it see the value in it and it's doing something for them, that's what matters. So again, your mileage may vary in some of these. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the same way, and I feel like Istanbul is one of those weird games. I, there are some ways of changing it, but like I've played the starting board like five times, and I know okay when I start the game I want to go here, and then I want to go here, and then I want to go here. You know, and I I don't like that in games. I want to like I like when things move. Like I love it. Like in Agricola, like if I pass on this and there's six wood on there. I'm all over that. Like, even if I don't want wood, I'm going to get six wood because that's a great tie. That's a great space. I like when those type of things change. And I think that I'm really excited to add. I'm all over that Istanbul expansion. Too. Yeah, it looks, I mean, I don't know a lot about it, but it looks nifty with some new tiles and changing some of the existing tiles and adding in the coffee bags and things like that. It looks kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Now, one thing for me with an expansion, again, I play with you guys, but. Whenever I get an opportunity, I try to play games, two-player games with my wife as well. So one thing that I'm looking for in some expansions are usually scalability goes, oh, we're going to increase the player count. But whenever a game can actually scale it down to two players, and one game in mind that is Trains. Mm-hmm. Because Trains is, it goes up to four players. You can play it with the big map with two players, but you're so spread out. So they actually put out expansion boards where it actually is only half the board. It's designed for two players. And that's fantastic. I wish more games would put out expansions like that. Terra Mystica. Definitely Terra Mystica. We're looking at you, Terra Mystica. (laughs) That still kills me when they said it was a double-sided board. Why didn't you put a two-player version of your board on the back? I don't know. Maybe there's maybe I'm in the minority of that, but I know there's enough couples out there that love these games. Mm-hmm. The board's just too big, and you need it to spin. again. I hope that Z-Man is able to put out a two-player board for Terra Mystica. That would just insta-buy for me. That's a great point. I really like that idea. So you've been asking us questions, but any thoughts for yourself on the expansions here? I would say Atlanteans for Imperial Settlers looks pretty good. <laughs> and it looks really interesting because it adds variety, obviously a brand new faction. And then it also adds some complexity because they play quite differently than the others. Most of the factions, if you've played Imperial Settlers, you build up your civilization, you, you gather your resources, you start off kind of maybe focusing on the common cards that are available to everybody, but eventually you morph over to where you, 
by the end of the game, hopefully you have a bunch of your own civilization locations that add double the points as the common ones do. So you kind of work your way up and, and expand and convert your, your common locations into into faction locations, whether you be barbarians or whether you be Romans or, or the Egyptians or you could be the Japanese. But Adlanians is different because by the end of the game, you are going to lose all of your faction-specific locations. They're going to sink into the sea. So you cannot re- you cannot go with that regular strategy of building up and maybe just trying to get a bunch of points off of your faction locations also it adds in the new element of technology that you can use and i don't know exactly how it works because i haven't played it but just from what i looked at it it looks pretty interesting to me and something that i i'm interested in getting yeah that that's so great that for me the thematic connection with that is what the big selling point it makes sense with being atlantis essentially so but again i love that idea Mm-hmm. I for me also I the one that I was going to ask you guys is, is one thing I don't like about expansions is and I found this out so I got into Arcadia Quest mm-hmm. and I'm really excited I I really think these are great and they sell like one extra person and the MSRP on that's like fifteen bucks twelve or fifteen bucks ouch and that's brutal and and so like and they've been selling like promos for like thirty five dollars and I'm like okay. I really, really want that. You got to catch them all. But I, yeah, got, they got to catch them all thing. But it's, it's one of those things that it's just like, and you can't get them anywhere else. Like they're kick, they, cool me or not, they, they're criminal. Like with the thing, you back their Kickstarter, and you get all this type of stuff. But if you don't back the Kickstarter, it's over. Like there, there are miniatures that you will never get if you don't buy, if you don't back the Kickstarter. There's like selling a game for like $400 of Arcadia with all the miniatures that they paid $100 for. And, you know, and it's just like, that really hurts me. Like when I, you know, and I think that's kind of almost like a dangerous thing Mm -hmm. is like, you're getting like, you get promos are one of those things. Like I see some friends that are like, they have to have all the promos. And then I look at, sometimes I look at promos and I'm like, what does this really add to the game? Does this like really add anything or is it just like a, I have it. Yeah. And then now, now, to their credit, their minis are really great. Amazing. The quality is really nice. Lots of detail. But yeah, that's $15, $30 is pretty steep. Yeah. And for me, like, they have me because they're coming out with an Inferno ex- in spa- in expansion Booked. on Kickstarter. But, you know, I mean, I think about promos. You buy a promo, like, a couple of cards for 5 bucks on Board Game Geek, and we're okay with that. But... I don't know. Fancy dresses for Rococo. Yeah. I'm serious, though. And so that's I think that's kind of one of those downsides. And I really want that because, like I said, each character adds variety to the game. You know, different choices from the start of the game. But it really works because Inferno, like when it comes out, I'm one of the first people. I'm plopping down my money so that I can make sure I don't miss out on all those minis. But then it really comes down to what is the value added from the variety? You know what I mean? Yeah. And for me, it's one of those games that uh, I it's the base game is great. Like the base game is great, but you know, it it's just not having that this like it's just something so simple. It doesn't add any complexity, but it adds that variety of that there are more people to choose from. So uh, I go back and forth on it. Absolutely. Now, one thing about expansions that this really just concerns me quite a bit is when an expansion adds so many new things 
that the game no longer feels like the game that it's expanding. Amen. Can you think of any examples that just jump to your mind with this? I have one that I haven't played, and that is The Voyage of the Beagle for Robinson Crusoe. Like, for me, I love... It's no secret that I like... Do you like that game? (laughs) Yes, I know. I, I love that game. But in that case, like... It's no longer you're on an island trying to survive. I, I believe that the in like what I've looked up, you're like Darwin, like looking at animal species. And for me, that doesn't get me going. Like for me, I don't. I want that feeling. Like the the survival on an island is what makes that game special. Not so much the game mechanisms that are in the in the game. Right. Uh, so that's one of those ones that I think it changes the theme, and it just lost me. Yeah, and maybe that will absolutely appeal to some people that, you know, I'm just tired of this email, I'm trying something different, I like the overall mechanisms that are working here, but I want something completely new, and that might be just fine for some. Yeah, it could, yeah. But And, and then when you think about living card games, that's your, your Pokemon reference, uh, that's a whole other beast, you know? Don't do it, guys. <laughs> so after having uh, Tony on our podcast talking about RPGs and stuff like that and Lord of the Rings. I jumped in and got Lord of the Rings, a living card game, even though I said I would never buy another living card game again. <laughs> yep. And I bought an RPG as well. So easily susceptible to uh, new influences, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with that, it really comes down to not just to the variety, but I, you're customized. It's the customizability. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So I think that adds a whole new layer on those type of games. And this, we're going to, like I said, we're going down the rabbit hole. We've already taken the wrong pill. We're just going down the rabbit hole. But I think this is one of the things that I used to play customizable card. I used to play customizable card games. And this kind of is where I kind of fell off the wagon after a little while, like I saw behind the door. And that was is that, like, I have these pieces that I've been buying and in two years, they're going to be useless, you know. Now, Lord of the Rings is not that way. It's very tough because, you know, you see in an expansion and it's got a, another Aragorn. And you're thinking to yourself, my deck is not good enough unless I have that card, you know. And and so it almost becomes the thing of, of like, my decks don't get as, they're not as good unless I keep up with, the new stuff that's coming out, the new better stuff. And that's funny. They just came out with a new Aragorn too. Oh, did they really? Yeah. There's three now. There's, there are three Aragorns. Yeah. The tactics Aragorn is he looks phenomenal. Welcome to the new Clint psychic psychic Clint you know, <laughs> thing. You're thinking of cheeseburgers right now. Mm. So that does sound pretty good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so I think the walkaway message for me is that. Don't feel compelled to jump out and buy expansions. Mm-hmm. You've got to really make an informed choice with some of these because I have a lot of expansions that I own for various reasons, but I don't really play with a lot of them. Now, there are some that I absolutely, like you said, there are some games that you just won't play without it. One that comes to my mind is Pillars of the Earth. There's an expansion for that. Yeah. Good luck getting it, guys. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'll I know. Say. For me, oh. <laughs> neener, neener, neener. <laughs> but when they first, I got that when it first came out because yeah. I got Pillars of the Earth. It was kind of a impulse buy. Found it really cheap at a 
at, at, at Hastings. It was on. It was like half nice. off at Hastings, and I'm like, well, worker placement, great. We love Agricola. I love this game. It's 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 lighter than Agricola, absolutely. But I just I love love this game to death. It's still within my top ten, I think. But the expansion part of the appeal of that is that it just it completes the board because it keeps the painting going, which is <laughs> nice. And it's weird because you have these blue cubes called metal cubes, and there's no place to put them on the board. Everywhere else, you had the sand, and you had the wood, and the stone, place to put those, and there was no place to put the metal. So this board has a place to put the metal. It's so ridiculous. That's a horrible reason to own the expansion. <laughs> but it adds, again, adds the variety, gives you more options. With two players, you probably don't need that board because it really loosens it up a lot there's not as much competition but if that's what you're looking for in a, in a few lower player count great but for that one i i like playing that even if you don't want to buy it so you can put the metal pieces on the board yes. <laughs> the metal spot is the best they should put that out pillars of the earth is a, is a really good game i think they'll reprint that one i, I hope so i think it's a i think it's uh it's pretty popular my my thing i would tell everybody is if xyz comes out with an expansion you look look at it and you ask yourself, how many times have I played the original game? If it's less than five, you know, or whatever, if it's less than, you know, if you've only played it like once or twice, make sure that you you enjoy the regular game. Because like I said, usually the, the expansions, they usually add variety and thing, but for the most part, usually you never, like I have expansions that I've never played. So I always say, say take a deep breath, Look at it and say, you know, how how much have I got out of this game, the base game? Am I really going to play with the expansion? So the question that mainly popped to my mind, did you actually, uh, in your massive game purchase, did you actually get any expansions? Um, That's a good question. He doesn't even know. know. (laughs) I don't. I I don't. I did not. I did not. I did not. All right. Well, my my takeaway is not to be afraid i guess to buy an expansion mm-hmm. i just haven't haven't bought i haven't bought a many so i'm really I'm really thinking about getting that scoundrel of school part mm-hmm. do it yeah. i think i don't think you'll be disappointed in that one but think the temptation is oh i like this game default i have to get the expansion it's so easy to fall into that trap, especially if you go down the rabbit hole of doing massive amounts of board game acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, woo woo! Yeah, guilty over there. <laughs> I think you've surpassed both of us at this point in terms of the amount that you're acquiring at this point. But hey, more games I, for us to play. I'm back in Stillwater. The the number goes down, so <laughs> I ride out what I've got. So. Yeah, you you binge order. So. I binge order. Yes, yes. I do. <laughs> I think if you love the game and you really want to keep it going, keep the flavor going, adding, going new directions, then yeah, you absolutely consider it, but it shouldn't be something that you just, by default, I must have this because I love the game. Alrighty, so that brings us to our closing segment called The Punch List. So it's been a while since I've done a punch list, and I don't feel like I have a very good one, but we're gonna go for it anyway. So this week, The Punch List, what we do is one of us comes up with some criteria about a board game. Neither one of the other two people here know anything about what I'm going to ask. I want you to pick a game that you think is punch-worthy based upon the criteria I set. It may not be the best game, but it's one you consider to be a favorite. Okay? So this week's punch list. What game 
do you feel has the absolute best component? So you're saying component, like one thing that makes something the game. about that game, like. Oh wow, that's that's pretty nice. <laughs> got it. Oh, okay. you got it. Got I'm it. An actor. Okay. Um, broadsides and boarding parties, the big plastic ships that you actually have little miniatures on, and you you do your battle on. Those ships are pretty cool. Do you like the game? I do, and it's been sitting out for the last two board game nights on that <laughs> shelf, and I've been. I've been waiting for someone to play it with me, but I haven't convinced somebody yet. But I think I'm going to be playing it this weekend. Pirate guy over here. I know. I know. Let's I... play it. <laughs> well, you, you can play with the Ninjas expansion quest. Yes! <laughs> and what's Where's great, the Ninjas expansion? What's great about it is we've been wa- watching uh, the Horatio Hornblower movies, which if you haven't seen, I suggest you see them. Um, they're just great, you know, sailing movies and, and, and getting to experience those big battles and stuff. And I'm like... These kids should want to play this because this is like reenacting those big ship battles. It would be it would be great, but uh, maybe I haven't pushed hard enough yet. So, what is the one thing about that just really pushes you over? Like, oh, this is just fantastic. I I love those big ships with their masts and how you get to take them apart when they take damage and stuff. It's cool. They do look really really cool. Mm-hmm. That does. I'll go next. For me, it's almost a no brainer. Like, if there was one component that makes a game, it's a Shogun. If you guys have ever, have you guys ever played Shogun? I have not. It's remind me. It's amazing. It's it's uh, the retheme of uh, Wallenstein. So it has a cube tower. That's the cube tower. It's the cube tower. I've played this game. I'm telling you, everybody talks about the cube tower. The hype is real. I love, I love the cube tower. Believe in the cube tower. Yes, the cube tower. If you put in cubes, dreams come out. why are we not playing this? <laughs> I'm serious. It is really it's really fun. I, I got together, played with some friends, and they looked at the game and they're just like, this looks like it's a typical old dudes on a map type type of game. And that cube tower, you play the game so that you can like <laughs> you can put cubes in the cube tower and see what happens. Like it is fascinating. So this like, is kind of like pulling the arm on the the casino. It is there. okay. It is like it is. It's very funny. Like some games, like n- new games, like they in- they're trying to incentivize you to attack, so there's more attacking. You don't need to incentivize people because they know if I get to attack, I get a we get to shake up all these cubes and slam them in this tower, and see what happens. And we there were there were so many like oh crazy. And the thing is, is even if you get, like, messed over in a battle, it really hurt. You're like, oh, my gosh, I threw, like, ten cubes in there. Only, like, two came out. But then all of a sudden you pause and you're thinking to yourself, there are eight cubes in that tower. I'm going to wreck when I attack or whatever. I'm telling you that is the one component that makes that game special. And uh, if you've ever played it, like, Wallenstein... I know Amerigo has the tower. Yeah, I was about to say that yeah. was the other game. Amerigo has the cube tower. Have you played that? I have not played okay. that, but I do have to say I like Japanese, you know, feudal Japan uh, theming a little bit better. But because this of all the pirates. M- makes the game. There were ninja pirates. I'm telling you. So uh, yes, so my choice, hundred percent, is Shogun. 
also Shogun has a what people say is a not so great expansion. So, they, so I haven't bought the expansion. There you go. So tying that all in. I want a I want a cube tower so dreams come out. Dreams, <laughs> yep. magic, and dreams. Well, I'm telling I feel like you. this is a T-shirt. Yes. I kind of Put that on the box. <laughs> I think this is our punched and played T-shirt. It should be punched and played, and in the back it should say magic and dreams come out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's I, happening. Cubes drop in, magic and dreams. Yes. We turn cubes to magic and dreams. Yeah, the, the thing for me when I'm thinking about this, the, the key component of a game, I mean, there are so many great games that have fantastic components but if i were really to kind of narrow in on a game where i feel like the component the components bring the game to a new level would definitely be splendor and i know there's a lot of jokes about those poker chips that represent the different gems but they're so nice and to hold and again like we've talked about before if they were cardboard it just wouldn't be the same game 100 percent agree i don't know just being able to hold them and clink them in your hand and it's just, it's, it's a really cool feeling in terms of wow factor and you're like oh there's poker chips until you hold them that's we get the tactile part and that's what's really cool now honorable mention i'll have to throw out Tobago here, because the little Easter Easter Islands head, stone heads, those are pretty cool too. <laughs> but I, I think that in terms of the component that I think takes the game to a new level that make brings some additional enjoyment from it would definitely be the gem chips from Splendor. Uh, my honorable mention would be Cleopatra and the Society of Architects, if you've ever nice. seen that game. That's nice. Um, the coolest thing is like when you're playing that game and you're taking the box and somebody's like trying to put the box away so you can start playing the game and you're like no wait we use the box (laughs) (laughs) blowing people's minds i just love that so that would be my honorable mention is you know use the box of cleopatra niagara does something similar to that because that's really cool there's so many great games with neat little gimmicky mechanics but i love it why don't we play more games? Um, I don't know. <laughs> because we record a podcast. Because we have to be able to buy our cheeseburgers. Got to earn the money oh, okay. to buy the cheese and the games. I don't get it. Board games are okay. life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I believe that brings the conclusion of episode number 14 of the Punched and Played podcast. As always, you can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at PunchPlayed, and you can find us at our website at PunchedAndPlayed.com. So until next time, remember, if you're going to punch them, make sure you play them. Yeah.